Hey you guys, welcome back. I am super excited for today's episode. Today um, marks our 11th episode, so I feel like 10 episodes was a really big milestone and I'm just really excited about today. We have our first guest on, so you don't have to listen to me fucking talking to myself for 45 minutes. Everybody, I know you're excited about that. Um, I put up some Instagram polls for you guys in the past week or so about, you know, what it is that you guys wanted to be hearing, like what kind of content that you wanted to kind of just start listening to. I want to change things up a little bit. You guys said that you were overwhelmingly open and excited to the idea of having guests on the podcast, which is something I've wanted to do for a while. It is just really hard to nail down people. Um, so I'm just really excited that I have Nick on today and we're going to be talking predominantly about, we're going to talk about a lot of different stuff, but one of the overwhelming like things that you guys wanted to hear about was um, post-grad stuff, but also managing money, finances, business, that kind of situation. And there's quite literally no better person to talk to than, um, the Wolf of Wall Street himself. Um, so without further ado, I'm just going to let Nick give like a little introduction about himself, maybe like how we met and we'll just get into it. Yeah. Awesome. I don't know about uh, Wolf of Wall Street, but I guess I'll take it. I'll take the good you're, implications no, that come with that. <laughs> you're, my, you're my Wolf of Wall Street, babe. You're my Jordan Belfort. I <laughs> love it. Um, yeah, no, awesome. Yeah, my name is Nick. I uh, went to school with Jess, which is where we met freshman year. I think the story's kind of been told at a very high level, but um, <laughs> that freshman year dorm room that Jess used to um, go to, escape yeah. to, if you will, was indeed my <laughs> dorm room. <laughs> it was also one of the ones that had um, about six guys smushed into a room that was probably cut out for about four if that so um <laughs> yeah yeah and so um yeah it was definitely freshman year was a great time and I I get nostalgic listening to Jess talk about it because I am an avid listener on this podcast and um it's funny how many memories come back by her recollection yeah. of that year because uh <laughs> there was a lot of alcohol involved and <laughs> uh, Jess remembers a lot of things a little bit better than I do maybe but um yeah no it's it's absolutely great to be on but yeah I met freshman year in that crazy dorm room and mm -hmm. uh I guess I don't know I mean there's probably a moment for this if you want to, but I think yeah. in school I was like always kind of seen as being somebody that was pretty focused on uh, career stuff and like 100%. getting ahead and going a certain place, which for me was I wanted to go into um, investment banking. And so it's it's so interesting to think back on that time and, and how targeted I was at getting to that place. And now that I'm here, look back and be like, uh, just kind of reflecting a little bit and it's cool to be here, but also nothing like I thought it would be and uh, happy to talk about all of that and really excited to be on. Yeah, I think it's a really full circle moment because for those of you that are listening, Nick and I spent a lot of time together freshman year, more so sophomore year. Uh, but freshman year, he quite literally like had his head in the books. And like, if you know anything about GW, like pretty much everyone there is very, very academic in their own way, whether they're there for like policy, government shit, <laughs> business stuff, um, international affairs, like everyone there that we were, you know, friends with and live with at the time were all driven in their own ways. But Nick definitely always stood out to me because you just always had your shit together. You were always doubling up on courses and you just really had a very clear cut view of what it was that you wanted your life to look like post-grad. Um, so I think with that, why don't we first talk about kind of you choosing slash 
the stars align that you ended up moving to New York City postgrad. Just give a little background on that and kind of just maybe let's talk about your experience. Because I know you and I have talked lots about our postgrad experience together, but I think it would be really cool for a lot of the listeners on here that are maybe in college or a little bit younger are feeling anxious about what postgrad's like. That's completely normal and natural. So I think, yeah, maybe we can just dig into that a little bit. Yeah, sure, absolutely. And so, um, yeah, as I as I mentioned, as Jess mentioned, um, I was definitely very career focused in school. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like maybe a little bit more than um, I appreciate at this point in time, but it's definitely fact. Um, I think I took kind of like a work hard, play hard kind of approach, which I still do to this day, um, but maybe a little bit more on the uh, chill side of things. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, it's it's interesting. And like I said, like reflecting back. So um, yeah, basically, uh, you've talked a lot about kind of your internship experience and your experience getting into the job that you're in now. Um, mine wasn't crazy dissimilar. The only thing is I um, kind of took a full-time offer out of my internship. So um, my third year of school completed and I also graduated um, and I started an internship um, doing investment banking at a large bank. Uh, did that internship for about 10 weeks and at the end got a full-time offer and uh, started six months after that full-time on the team that I interned with and uh, uh, kind of coinciding with moving to New York City, a lot of big things happening at once. And um, yeah, my experience is now that I'm a year in to my job, a little bit more than a year into my job, um, I think there's a lot of things I wasn't expecting. There's a lot of things that are kind of like how I expected it. And um, yeah, ultimately, I think moving to New York City was something that I always knew that I wanted to yeah. do. And I grew up not far outside of the city. And so it wasn't such a far-fetched idea that I would end up here. Right. Um, I obviously went to school in Washington, D.C. with Jess. And so I am always very thankful that that was the case because I think I went to like a calmer, cleaner, nicer city for school mm -hmm. and it made moving to New York and living here a lot less overwhelming, but still yeah. extremely overwhelming. And um, I think there are a lot of takeaways from moving here, but, you know, probably close to the top of my list is like everything is just so expensive and it's yeah. crazy and I don't know how some people do it. Um, yeah. It's it's wild to kind of like you know, go to a restaurant and really you can't leave without spending like less than like $35 right. in a lot of cases. If you get a drink, it can be up to, you know, like 50 sometimes. And um, I think that's definitely a big takeaway. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's just so much to discuss about moving to a new city and, yeah. and not having necessarily like a friend network. Um, so yeah, like happy to get into any of that. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about a little bit because I feel like you and I both know this is something we've talked about together. Um, Nick was actually in DC a few weeks back and we got to catch up with Zach and, you know, the three of us just hung out, had drinks, had an awesome time. And I just love that kind of, I feel like more caught up on like your life. And I feel like you're a little bit more caught up on mine. And one of the things that I think we talked about briefly was kind of how New York city is so romanticized. And I feel like that's also a huge thing. If you guys aren't familiar with like the culture at like GW, GW is like a very, it's a very urban school, and a lot of the people from GW are from New York, from Miami, are international students, like, from Dubai, UAE, like, Hong Kong. Like, there people at GW, like, a lot of the population, like, come from these big cities because it's a very expensive school, and, like, living in a city, obviously, like Nick said, it's friggin' expensive. And so 
I think a lo- the overwhelming like feedback that I feel like so many of my friends, not just Nick, because Nick actually had like a cut and dry plan, but like you could literally throw a rock at GW and hit a kid that's like, yeah, I'm moving to New York. Like whenever I graduate, <laughs> like every fucking person, I swear to God, like whether they're from New York, Jersey, whatever, or from LA, like everyone was like, yeah, I want to move to New York when I graduate. Like the girl that I lived with sophomore year, like her dream was like, I want to go work in PR and work in New York. And I just kind of want to talk about that because I feel like New York is something I feel like I see it all over TikTok. I see it all over like my Instagram reels. I see it and in my like relationships, people are like, oh, I just like I want to move to New York. Like New York is everything like there's so much opportunity. So I would love to get your perspective on that. And, you know, you and I have talked about that before, but just kind of like, you know, what about that is real and what about it is not? Because I feel like there's so many young people out there that just have this insane view of what it's like living there and I feel like not all that's realistic so I'd love to hear your take yeah it's a really good point and I think there's a lot of romanticizing especially from people that are not quite in New York yet and I think a lot of that comes from the parts of New York that are discussed versus the parts of New York (laughs) that aren't discussed so um yeah I think there's definitely a lot of over romanticizing um I love it here I have to say if I could sum it up I think the difference between like before you move to New York and after you move to New York is like before you move to New York you're kind of like oh my gosh the big apple I'm gonna live in the middle of the world like it's gonna be a life-changing experience and then you move to New York and to an extent it is but it's also disgusting right um, but it becomes like that disgusting gross city that like you call home so you can't really say anything bad about it it's like your hometown at some point yeah um where it's like even the flaws like you know you're walking down the street and there's like a brown puddle in the middle of the street and you're like don't know don't want to know what that is (laughs) like like no literally no it's it's gross (laughs) um so yeah I mean like I think I think (laughs) basically like the romanticizing is there like the people that live here were all so passionate about being here and um I've seen so many videos of like pulling strangers off the street and just being like tell me about New York and everybody just loves being here but Mm -hmm. like kind of just accepts the gross and expensive and uh, chaotic and uh like violent parts as well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not the, have... not the shit in the street and being shanked <laughs> on the subway we don't want that but <laughs> not to be like totally disgusting but like maybe six months ago I had a return that I had to do somewhere and it was such a windy day that the receipt flew out of the bottom of my like bag uh-uh. and into a puddle and just like I was not thinking I did not know what to expect the I like looked down and it was just in this gross disgusting brown puddle and I was like Stop. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna eat that loss that's, that's on me <laughs> like, um yeah I was like I'm not gonna no. fight not gonna find out what that is I mean I can I can smell, no so. <laughs> no that's exactly that's exactly what I imagine New York to be and like growing up in Philly honestly Nick and I didn't live like super we didn't grow up super duper far away like maybe an hour and a half uh probably like without traffic because he grew up in Jersey I grew up in like the Philly area And so I, you know, was only a train ride away from New York. I grew up going up there like every couple summers or we would go up like sometimes like your friend would have like their birthday there. You would go see a show or whatever. Um, And I feel like when you go and you get like, at least for me, like I can do New York in small doses. I haven't been like as an adult, like I haven't been like since I've been of age or like anything like that. Like the last time I was there, I was pretty young, but I'm also so eager to come back because number one, I want to visit you and Matt. 
But also, too, I'm just so curious to see how I would do in New York because in my mind, I've already just, like, put up such a barrier of entry because I'm, like, I'm so overstimulated all the time that, like, you know me, Nick. Like, I feel like part part <laughs> of me would be, like, oh, my God, fuck yeah, like, let's go, like, rooftop bar. Like, let's go just, like, meet random famous people. Like, let's just go do whatever and just be chaotic and reckless. But then there's also the side of me that's, like, no, sister – you want to be done your skincare at 10 PM and you want to be in bed, like drinking your drinking water. Like, you know what I mean? And I feel like, I don't know. I just, I just could never tell like how I would do if I were to be living in that city, but I feel like it fits your personality well. And I feel like you're there for a reason and you're not there to like, like F around, like, you know, you know what path you're on. I think that's probably why you do so well there. And you feel like that kind of comfort, like in the city. Yeah, I think New York City can definitely be super overstimulating. There is at any point in time, any uh, hour of the night, tons of things to do. And there's a lot of FOMO on the weekends if you're not going out and not seeing friends. And it kind of like feels like a mini college again, where it's like, yeah, sometimes I know that I need to just stay in and like go to bed early. Like tonight, I'm shooting for 8pm. We'll see. Um, But yeah, it's one of those places where everybody's always out and doing things. And right. um, definitely, like, you have, like, a hard work week. And then the weekend is just also, like, nonstop, like, social things if you want to. Yeah. Or some people stay in. But, I mean, I live in the middle of Midtown, which is probably the most overstimulating part of the whole city, <laughs> in my opinion. And I've just seen some crazy things since I started. And um, since I moved here and since I started work, I should say. Yeah. Um there's also like if you're walking around in New York and people know this, it has a reputation, but it's absolutely true. If you're not a tourist, there are three speeds to walk. It's fast, faster and running. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like that's true. It's how I walk around, even if I'm not in a rush. Um, yeah. It's kind of a funny story. When I was in D.C., obviously I saw you, but I was on a walk with another friend and we had nowhere to be on a Saturday. And I'm just like gunning it in between people, like walking through the streets of Georgetown, being like, these people need to get out of my way. Like, why are they walking so slow? And my friend, yeah, yeah, my friend was like, where are you going? (laughs) Like, what do you have? (laughs) I was like, oh, nowhere. But like, they're just going really slow. She was like, you need to just calm down. No, literally. (laughs) And, And that's the thing too. I think like DC is such an intense city, but it's intense in a different way. It's not like New York intense. Like New York is like fast paced. Everyone has somewhere to be. And I also feel like that's just the East Coast in both of us because you and I are both so impatient when it comes to people walking slow like even in college you and I would be like can these people either get out of the way or you're getting run over like I'm gonna run your ass over like please move and I feel like that's such an east coast thing because all of the people that I know that are from the west coast or like midwest are like why are y'all in such a rush all the time I feel like that's just an inherent trait the fact that we're from Jersey Philly and now we live in DC and New York just like fuels that toxic trait a little bit but it is what it is yeah, I feel like driving in DC the couple times I've had to oh do that. God. I'm like, why is this so easy? They leave so much space. I can go anywhere. <laughs> I can take any turn. Like <laughs> these people are just driving how you're supposed to, like Pe- to be safe, and that's just not how we do it. <laughs> no, yeah. People in DC, like in the DMV area, like I've noticed like living in Maryland, like people are just so dumb. Like people are just like don't use blinkers, just like passing each other, just like effing around. And I'm just like, what they're like meandering and I'm just like, do you not, do you not know how to drive? Like, I wonder how people in this area got their licenses. But like you said, like DC is not even comparable in terms of driving with New York. But anyways, we could go on for a really long time about that. But I want to get into 
we we now know, you know, you do investment banking and I kind of want to talk about like kind of your journey with like finances and we'll get into, you know, what kind of advice that you would give um, to like people our age or people that are trying to like maybe build wealth or get their credit score up. I know you have so many great thoughts and ideas about that. And I feel like you're one of the most like you have such great financial literacy for someone at like 23, 24 years old. So I feel like, yeah, we'll just talk about whatever it is that you kind of wanted to get into. Cause I feel like a lot of people are looking for this kind of advice at this, at this point in time, <laughs> including yeah, myself. Sure. <laughs> I saw uh, the poll that you, you put up a poll asking what yeah. people wanted to uh, hear about. And, you know, maybe I was the only person that voted, but no, the weren't. finance one said a hundred percent. I was like, is that just me? <laughs> no, <laughs> like, no, no, no. I clicked it. You, so you were one of the first people that voted, but the majority, <laughs> yeah. like, like, like the majority of people like that was the winning poll. So I was like, okay, bet like, that's perfect. Cause I wanted to have Nick on first anyway. So she, yeah. she ended up working out, but yeah, I'd love to get into that with you. For sure. So uh, personal finance for me has been something that I've always been very passionate about and think uh, it's a topic that I continue to build on my own knowledge in, but um, always feel very strongly about like, if people have questions, just giving kind of my two cents if it's asked for. And so I feel like that over years kind of snowballed into, like you said, kind of being somebody that people would come to for that kind of advice. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think it seems to me, and I really enjoy it and it's a passion and I'm not quite sure why that is, but the overwhelming thing that I see when I talk with people is that the idea of managing money and personal finance is this kind of like taboo, um, super overwhelming concept yep. where it's like, there's almost just so much there that some people are just too scared to even um, yes. begin to kind of like breach the surface of it, if totally. you will. And so um, that's kind of where I have always felt really strongly about like talking about personal finance in a way that makes it more digestible, that makes it yes. less overwhelming, that kind of, it's like the little things that you can start out with and take it from there. It's like, you don't need to have, you know, some crazy savings account and your 401k, yeah. like perfectly configured, like right out of college, but you can take like small steps and start seeing that kind of thing snowball. Yeah. So I think the reason, and you can maybe let me know how you think about this, but sure. I feel like when people think about personal finance, where it stops and starts a lot of the time is the idea of like, oh, I have to have a budget. I don't know. Yeah. Is that something that you yes. feel like seems overwhelming? Absolutely. I feel like people, I think in general, especially with young people learning about finances, I think the more that I think about it, one of the biggest things is that for most people, depending on how you grew up, what kind of circles you were in, finances are not talked about. Like you said, like they're taboo. We don't talk about you know, things like loans, like most of the time, like people are not walking their kids through what it means when you sign on for a loan, what it means when they co-sign on, you know, a car payment or a loan for that, what it means when you open up like a high yield savings account. No one's talking about how much money you should be having in the bank. What kind of wage should you be looking for out of college with your degree? Like no one talks about that kind of stuff. And I feel like because of that, you know, for most people at our age that literally look at their bank account are like, cool, I have fucking $5 and like a croissant. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do with that shit? <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do with that? And I feel like a lot of people would think, yeah, I mean, like, okay, well, I need a budget or like, what do I need to do? And I feel like it's definitely, it's, it's almost like it's more complex than that, but it's also simpler than that. Like you said, there's small things that you can do and it goes so far beyond budgeting. It's like, you can make money through passive income. Then you talk about investing and you can talk about high yield savings where you're just making interest 
by saving your money and stuff like that. And you and I talked about that. Like, you're the reason why I have the bank accounts that I have. Cause I was literally like, Nick, what the F? Like, I don't know what bank <laughs> I'm supposed to use. Like, what do these rates mean? Like, what the hell? And so, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really good assumption that you make. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just diving into that a little bit more and, and my own perceptions and thoughts on budgeting, mm-hmm. I also think it's overwhelming. And if I'm being yeah. perfectly honest, I don't budget. I really Neither don't. Do I. I, yeah. And, <laughs> and I can get it. <laughs> and I don't think that's a bad thing either. I think it, yeah. to not budget does not mean that you don't have a grasp of what you're spending, what you're earning, where your money's going. Totally. It, it just doesn't work for everybody. So I no. think when people think of conventional budgeting, they think like I have, I don't know, an Excel sheet, an app, yes. something where every single month I have a hard cutoff on a certain amount of spending I can do yeah. in this kind of category, you know, restaurants, going out, um, you know, things of that nature. And I think here's what I do. So I do think budgets work for some people. I think there are some people that are very, and I do consider myself to be type A, and I know you know that I'm type A. Totally. But I we think both there are. are. Some, we both are. We're for, both type for A. Yeah we're, yeah, we're both pretty type A. <laughs> but I think there are some people who are type A who like, it really budgets do work for them. And it's yeah. like they need to set rules for themselves. And they they feel very strongly about like, I've set this parameter for myself. This is how I stop myself from yep. being excessive. And if that works for you, I think that's great and do it. 100%. Um, I think there's like kind of other like variations of like, budgeting adjacent things that you can do right like i pay great attention to my spending like mid-month end of month when i pay my credit cards when i pay my rent same just looking at my bank account like what came in what what went out and i have like a good read into that and it's it's kind of like a, a feeling that i have that i need to keep um kind of tabs on like my spending and specifically yeah. at the end of the month be like okay this month has concluded and where did my money go? Where did my money come from? Yeah. And how do I feel about that? How do I feel about the fact that Starbucks took $150 from me this month? Sure, <laughs> totally. And is that something that gave me $150 worth of um, like satisfaction and enjoyment, whatever yeah. that means to you? And I think yeah. that means different things based on what you're earning and your more, like you know your priorities and spending. But right. I think for me, that's what I do, and that gets me to change my spending habits and. Um, to increase things that sometimes to even increase my spending in areas where I had like a lot of enjoyment. If I really enjoyed going out to restaurants, maybe I'll do that more and I'll make coffee at home instead. Um, So things like that. I think you just need to be reflective. Like money is so psychological and you need to learn uh, the psychology of how you think about money and how you can then personally change the way that you behave based on the way that your mind kind of processes your spendings and your earnings. Like if you receive a paycheck and you're like, oh, cool, like free money. Like maybe we need to work on that. <laughs> like maybe that's not free money. Like your time is not worth nothing. Totally. And so if it feels like implicitly, yeah. that would be like saying your time is worth nothing. So um, I right. think those are the things that I keep tabs on and that work for me and it definitely helps. And yeah, I don't I do not do conventional budgeting. And I think that those are also good. Like my favorite point that you just made, I think every single thing that you said is so on par with the way that I think about it, which makes me actually feel more confident and that I feel like, I actually have a very similar view on like the value of my dollar that you do, which makes me feel like I'm not as like, like sometimes I feel like I get in my head and I'm like, wow, like I feel like I have financial guilt. So like for me, because money was such an object of like, it was just problematic for me growing up, like being a child of divorce, you know, there's 
the child support and, you know, going back and forth and, oh, what parents going to pay for this and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like being raised that way for me, like I'll go Nick and I'll go like get like a coffee from Starbucks knowing damn well I have an espresso machine in my house and I'll literally be like, why did I do that? And, and I'm like, I literally sit there and I'm like, shit, like that's $5. I'm not going to get back. And it's almost like, I feel like sometimes people, like you said, like they'll get their paycheck and be like, hell yeah, like got that money to burn. Like it's burning a hole in my pocket. Some people are age are definitely like that. And maybe that's like, I don't think that's even like just a Gen Z thing or a young person thing. Like there are people that are grown ass adults that do that. But I feel like for people like you and myself, like we definitely are cognizant about our money. And like you said, I definitely like audit myself. Like I check my bank accounts like every few days just to see like, okay, like I forgot about that subscription or like, oh, my credit card payment's coming up, like got to pay that in full, blah, blah, blah. I feel like, you know, it definitely is a very psychological thing. That was my favorite point that you made. Like money has so much to do with your individual habits as a person. Like, are you a routine type of person? Or are you so like spontaneous and random that like you'll drop six hundo one day and then you won't spend <laughs> anything for the next three weeks? Like, I feel like it's really important that you know kind of your own habits. So I think those are all really good points to make. Yeah. And just a very quick like follow up on that and not to get into it too much because it's such a big topic, but we are like at least our generation, you and me, and and probably the majority of uh, kind of like your listenership is or are people that grew up in one of the biggest financial crises of like ever. You know what I mean? In terms of like banks failing, people losing their houses, families, a lot of families not having the savings that they felt like they needed and, um, you know, working your parents who might have been bringing in money, getting getting laid off and not knowing where the next paycheck is going to come from. So I think a lot of the feelings that you just described are kind of either um, intentionally or unintentionally were kind of imposed on us at least because I feel that way in this period of growing up where like people were so uncertain about their ability to continue affording uh, like their lifestyles and putting money on the table and could you pay your mortgage if you don't pay your mortgage you lose your house right Right. like these yeah so I think that's not insignificant in this but I do think that's also a very very big topic to cover as well (laughs) no totally I think that's so so true and I've seen a lot of stuff like that on like social media recently like talking about like, you know how, like, people are like, oh, like, Gen- like, Gen Z, I feel like is so polarizing, like, the the whole, the whole narrative and kind of, like, um, like, the repertoire of, like, the whole Gen Z millennials, like, all the generational shit, I feel like it's very limiting in the way that people talk about it. But one of the things that I saw recently was, like, this, like, older individual, probably, like, baby boomer was, like, talking, like, can we stop saying that Gen Z are, like, the most, like, privileged and, like, take for granted type of kids like they're not they're like 22 23 24 some of them are younger have lived through a freaking pandemic have lived through a housing crisis have lived through an it multiple economic downturns and upturns you know legendary like political administrations that come with tax policy and financial policy and all this crazy shit and and 9-11 mind you like we were one two years old when 9-11 happened which totally flipped the country on its head And that also has to do with money. It also has to do with the economy and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I think that's a really good point to make. But like, like you said, like, that's kind of a wormhole. We don't, (laughs) we don't need to go like philosophical on that. But I think that all those topics were great. I want to talk about, I know that you wanted to discuss a little bit like kind of 
credit scores and like things like that, let's maybe talk some more tangible things about what people our age can be doing or just people in general in their 20s, 30s that are looking to save for like milestones, like weddings, houses, stashing away money, building credit. I just love to hear kind of your take on, you know, some of those tactics and things to be focusing on. Sure. Yeah. And I think credit cards are something that I have been utilizing for a long time to take advantage of specific rewards and nothing else that came along with them. And we'll get into that. Um, But at a very high level, just kind of entering that topic, I think just very briefly, like what is a credit card? I know a lot of people know, some people might not, and that's totally um, valid. Some people probably grew up with with, uh, families where the idea of credit and um, because effectively it is technically lending mm-hmm. um, and technically you could pay money for that lent money, if you will, like interest. Right. Um, I think it was a very taboo subject for some people. So for everybody's benefit, a credit card is effectively your debit card, except when you spend money on it, it does not immediately take money out of your bank. It instead um, creates this balance that you have with the financial institution that issued the card to you that is in effect a loan and loans you pay interest on, but with credit cards, you do not pay interest until you have had that balance for over a month. So it's like a free loan as long as you pay it back within a month. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that I think can go wrong there and will go wrong there for some people who might not know exactly what's going on, which is why it's so important to kind of start there with them because I think they can be a really powerful tool and a money saving tool um, when used correctly, and they can be an extreme financial burden when not. Totally. And so the premise that I would start with is, um, as I begin to talk about credit cards, I am only ever talking about this idea of using your credit card, credit card, excuse me, like it is your debit card, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you put money on it, effectively, you should be thinking about that as money leaving your bank. And yep. if that's something you struggle to visualize. I would recommend maybe paying it off multiple times a month, right? At least at the beginning to get this idea of money tangibly leaving your bank as you pay on it. So why use a credit card instead of a debit card? And like what types of credit cards should you use? Um, Most credit cards past a certain entry stage will have different types of rewards. So some of them are cash back. Some of them are points that can be applied towards travel. And some of them are just kind of like extra programs and benefits that you get for having spent money on that card. Some cards, for instance, you might be able, if you put your full cell phone bill on it or your cell phone purchase on it, it might be covered for theft where you can create a claim and, um, you know, get some money back if if something were to happen to your phone. So I started my first credit card account the day I turned 18. And it was something I had wanted to do for a really long time. It was something that I felt very strongly about. And um, my first credit card, I believe, was a secured Discover It uh, cashback card. And mm-hmm. um, basically what that means is um, you really can't get denied for this card. So if you're worried about applying and not getting it, a secured card is a great place to start if you have those fears because you effectively, um, Basically, when you have a credit card, you have what's called a credit limit. It's the amount of money that you're allowed to spend on the card before you pay it off. Yep. And you basically give them that money up front with a secured card. You put down whatever you want, like $300, $400. That becomes your credit line. And after like five, six months of paying the card off on time, they just give it back to you. 
Yeah. So it's a really easy way to start up and you immediately start getting cash back, right? So it might be like 1%, it might be one and a half, it might be in specific categories, but it's a really great tool for um, kind of getting money back on your purchases if you play the game the right way. And right. unfortunately, if you don't, it can be a really bad tool. So there's a lot of self-control there. I think I'll pause and let you um, let me know if there's anything worth clarifying there because that was yeah. a bit of a tangent. <laughs> no, no, I think that, like you said, I think that's incredibly digestible. And I honestly feel like I've been surprised. I'm just lucky that I had like a dad that has his own business and he's very financially literate and he never shied away from talking to me, you know, whenever I would ask about loans, credit cards, all that stuff. Um, and so for me, I've always understood, not always, but now I have a very like solid grasp of how credit cards work and like, what is the, like, you know, the interest rate, it's not, it's not to me, I think of it as, okay, this interest rate is not relevant because I'm paying it off in full every single month. And that's just the way that I think about it because like I said, I have that financial guilt and anxiety, like very much so. So for me, I was actually so shocked when I realized through conversations with like my friends and coworkers, like so many people have credit card debt and, and so many people, I think foundationally didn't even understand how credit cards worked. And like, that's, again, I think it's like the whole narrative of like, we need to be talking about these things with each other because that's the only way that people are going to use them effectively. Like you said, it can either be a great tool or it can absolutely F you over, <laughs> like, especially in your twenties or thirties when you're trying to, you know, get loans and take money out for a house or even just like get approved, like for like to rent an apartment, like people look at your credit to do quite literally anything. So I think that, yeah, those were all really great points. Yeah. And just to like kind of build on that a tiny bit more, um, Aside from just the rewards that I mentioned, there is also like a tangible benefit to starting a credit card. And again, I'll caveat that in the same way I mentioned with budgeting, that money is psych like psychological. Um, totally. Spending is psychological and yeah. everybody knows themselves better than anybody else knows you. And yeah. if you know yourself to be somebody that has issues with impulsive spending that you can't get under control, I think maybe credit cards aren't for you. And I do know people yeah. that... I've spoken with about this and I think I used to be somebody that was like everybody should have a credit card but yeah I've had some conversations with people and with uh some like friends and family friends um yep. and some people just don't want to have a credit card they know themselves too well they're like this is going to be horrible for me <laughs> I'm going to be paying 27% interest on a $1000 balance indefinitely it will like and so that is obviously not a situation you want to put yourself in if that's right. who um, if that's a quality that you find that you have that you can't um, seem to get a hold of, I think the responsible decision probably is to not have a credit card. But right. there is one other really big reason why I think opening a credit card as soon as you can, if you can handle it, is great, is because you have this thing called a credit score, which I think everybody's heard of a credit score for the most part. Likely, and yeah. And a lot of people probably are kind of like, I don't really get what that is, but it's basically the score that's issued to you by what's called a credit rating agency. And it is your um, personal rating of credit worthiness. And so it's this idea of like the higher score that you have, the more likely you are to be somebody that pays back uh, loans and who pays your credit card on time, um, isn't like delinquent, doesn't kind of spend like way too much on credit. Right. Um, and why that's important is because almost everybody in life, if you plan to own a house at some point, is going to need 
the biggest loan of your life, which will be your right. mortgage, right? Right. And the rate that you get on that mortgage is directly influenced by your credit worthiness, which is measured by your credit score. And so if you can open up a credit card when you're 18 and just start building on that slowly, by the time you want to buy a house, whether you're 28, 30, 35, whenever you decide that's right for you, if you decide that's right for you, there's a lot of money that is saved in that process if you have a high credit score. For yeah. instance, like I think the average home price in the United States is, um, and don't quote me on this, I think in like the 300 to 350,000. Probably, right? that sounds right, so if yeah. rates right now, yeah, if rates right now are on mortgages are like 6.5%, you might have to pay seven if you have a bad credit score. That's like 40 to 50,000 extra dollars of interest over the life yeah. of that 30 year loan, assuming it's 30 years, right? Right. So this is all rough math, but these are things that, are really, I think, intimidating to think about, totally. which is why sometimes it's better just to kind of like get a start on it and forget about it until it matters. Yeah. Even if you only put like $15 on a credit card a month, right? And just pay it off. Like you could still use your debit cards. You could do bank transfers, like wires for everything else. Um, Venmo people, everybody loves Venmo these days, which is yeah. awesome. But um, even putting like $15, $30 on a card and just paying it off every single month for yes. a long duration of time is better than doing nothing. Totally. And and one thing I would say something like my dad kind of instilled in me was like, if this is just a card, like a credit card, just use gas, just do gas. Like if you're not comfortable with keeping track of it, just do like only do gas or only do groceries. If you maybe yeah. live alone, it's probably better if you're not sure about it because you're spending a lot less on groceries. Like for like where I live right now, like we do, we buy a shit ton of groceries because my boyfriend has literally quadruple the appetite that I have, number one. But number two, it's just a lot more money. Like I wouldn't be putting groceries because that's a that's a huge expense for us. Like I wouldn't be putting groceries like on my credit card. But yeah, I think that's a great idea. Like you have to know yourself. It's not a one size fits all thing. I don't think anything in terms of finances is one size fits all. I think you just have to be aware and just kind of educate yourself. And hopefully, you know, you guys that are kind of feeling overwhelmed, maybe, you know, you have student loans or, you know, payments are going to start up, but within probably the next year or so when it, it, like in terms of federal loans, for me, I have private loans that I'm already paying off. So that's something, you know, I'm very aware of, and that takes a fat chunk out of my paycheck. So um, it's just adulting. Adulting is kind of ass, but, <laughs> but I think yeah, it's, it's very fair. important to talk about finances and stuff like that. So Nick, was Absolutely. there anything else that, you know, you kind of wanted to cover in terms of money? If not, we can kind of talk about travel and some like fun stuff like that. But anything else that you want to cover? We are probably going to go over in time, but that's really okay. It's, it's fine. Okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think just maybe like quick miscellaneous tips, right? Because yeah, I think there's perfect. some like finance tips that just don't even fall into any of those categories. Yes. Um, we're all just leaving college very recently. And yeah. a lot of times leaving college, your employer offers a lot of different types of retirement plans. It's boring to try to understand them. It's not my thing either. I just set them up and I'm like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, exactly. Ask your HR rep like what you what you have access to if you have a job that offers these benefits. Right. Watch like their great YouTube videos if you don't really fully understand them. And I say just set them up right away. Forget about it. Um, I have a 401k. I have no clue how much money is in it. I don't know how much I put in every month. I set it up when I started work roughly yeah. a year ago. And that has been the best for me because I never received that money into my savings account ever. I've never Same. seen that money from my paycheck. I can't miss it. 
it doesn't even exist to me and it's hiding somewhere and one day I'll be happy I did it or so I've been told (laughs) totally no exactly I think yeah and I think just maybe other things um and maybe this is just touching on something a little bit Mm -hmm. personally that's affected me as well but like be prepared for emergencies as soon as possible um if you're somebody that financially supports yourself without um without help like set up your safety net as soon as possible, have that money in a high yield savings account and don't touch it. Um, Like from a very like personal standpoint, like I had thousands and thousands of dollars of medical bills after moving to New York, Uh, just series of unfortunate circumstances. I'm fine. Um, But I was so happy that it was something that I had always valued was having kind of like that safety cushion because um, you know, your health, and your um, well-being is first and foremost should be your highest priority always and to whatever ability you're able to um, set yourself up to financially support that because I mean people say it all the time but you know you have one body on this on this planet take care of yourself 100% I think that's a really a really good point I think that's important I feel like a lot of times I feel like we just live in a in a time where especially on social media Um, a lot of kind of financial like gurus and like quote unquote entrepreneurs that are like 22 and like make a shit ton of money have so many different opinions about this is what you need to be doing. This is what you need to do to become a millionaire by the time you're 50, like all this shit. And I feel like it's just so misleading. Like, yes, there's, there is, yeah, it's clickbait. And also it's valid in certain ways. Like, yes, investing will make you money. Passive income will make you money. Paying off your credit cards in full doesn't you're not losing money but you're not making money but you know you could if you have the right programs and rewards set up and things like that I would love to get your take as we kind of segue into talking about travel and things like that how have how has your relationship with money and kind of the money that you make changed in terms of how do you see money structurally versus you know like you said earlier there's certain things that you just know that you want to spend money on right like for me experiences, memories, catching up with friends. Like, for example, when you came into town a few weeks ago, you know, Zach and I knew we were like, okay, we're, we're likely going to Uber. <laughs> like that's like 40 bucks each way, which like pain in the ass, but that's what we get for living in the friggin' suburbs at 22 years old. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, then you're going out for dinner and drinks and stuff like that. To me, I don't bat an eye. Like I'm going out to see my little tonight and like my big, and I'm, I don't bat an eye about that. It's like, yeah, I know I'm going to spend like an arm and a leg because I'm going to friggin' eat in the city. But like at the end of the day, I feel like for me, I've, I've really tried to trump, get that like financial guilt kind of, kind of establish that, like silence that, that voice in the back of my head. That's kind of like, okay, like you don't need to be spending money on this. It's like, well, no, like these are some of your favorite people. Like you need to stop. Like we need to, we need to calm down and just understand like, what is it, you know, how do you kind of train your brain to think about money in a way of it's just that healthy balance between, okay, I'm comfortable spending money on this. These are things that I want to take away. Like what, how do you kind of, I don't know. It's like hard to put into words, but I feel like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how have you kind of come into that relationship with money where you look at certain experiences and you just don't bat an eye and you're like, you know what, I'm going to reap the benefits. I'm going to spend my money on this, but maybe I'm going to hold back here. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it really comes down to like what you value and what you enjoy doing. Absolutely do not spend an excessive amount of money doing things that people want you to do that you don't enjoy. So if you don't like going out to drinks and you don't like bars and you don't like clubs, like things like that. Yeah. 
don't go those places or go to those places and save your money, right? Because those are purchases you won't feel happy about being like, oh, yeah, I dropped like 25 bucks, 30 bucks, 40 bucks on drinks at this club and I didn't have a good time and I don't remember anything. Like, you know, if that's something that's not enjoyable to you, don't do it. And so I think like be an individual and know the things that matter to you and the things that you enjoy. And I think everybody does to some extent, but I do think peer pressure can come into play sometimes, which can be very challenging. But for me personally, like I feel like I work a quite like high stress job. I work um, quite a few hours a week and it is... (laughs) (laughs) Highly important on my list to catch up with friends and have social interactions and see the people that matter most to me. Right. Um, And so those are things that I am willing to spend money on, especially on the weekends and and when I can um, on weeknights as well, if it makes sense. And so I definitely don't go crazy every single time I go out, but I'm not most of the time going to look at a menu and pick like the cheapest item that I don't really want. I maybe did that at one point in my life. Yeah. Um, When we were in college and we were like poor and like, we're like, Oh, we'll have the bread. (laughs) They're like, do you need any food? No, no, no. The free bread's fine. Like we'll have bread and water. (laughs) Thanks. You just bring more tortilla chips and uh, and I'll have the chicken quesadilla that we'll share. (laughs) Exactly. But that's literally like what we did in college. And I feel like there's something to be said about the way that, for the most part, like this is obviously a generalization, but I feel like for the most part, even if you come from money, when you're in college, you slum it a little bit. Like you, you, you drink whatever's there. You are drink. you're getting mixers from the shady little vending machine at the bottom of your dorm. You're eating easy (laughs) Mac and like ramen, like as stupid and cliche as it sounds like, I mean, at least for me and you, I know that that was the reality. It was like, Oh, I don't want to spend money. Um, I don't want to spend money on food tonight. I don't want to use my like dining points because at GW, you literally spend an arm and a leg for your dining plan and you get like a meal and a half a day. So like it was yeah. like, okay, Easy Mac it is, goes out, absolutely passes away because you have fucking Easy Mac in your stomach and like you're, yeah. you know, you're out and you're getting drinks and stuff. So I feel yeah, like half a the- sweet green salad going to finish the, the next part tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no like there's the sweet green on the gw campus like truly gave me me and matt and you trauma because we would be like oh my god salad like yay let's get salad and like eat healthy and it was just like so we didn't feel like absolute trash because it was like okay i don't want to eat, eat i don't want to eat chick-fil-a or chipotle and like shit my pants before i go out <laughs> drinking like i don't want that and so no I it's feel like, like i'm gonna oh, eat half a kale salad totally. lime no caesar dressing <laughs> and then i'm gonna black out tonight on two drinks it's so, so that's like 20 bucks it's Killed so it. <laughs> it's so bad and, and i feel like now it's like i look back and i'm like wow we spent so much money on like alcohol and like food and stuff like that when we were yeah. in college but at the same time looking at like our spending habits now it's just so different it's just a world of a difference like your lifestyle is just totally different the money flow is different you know you're making an income and for the most part when kids are in college like you're not you maybe you're working like a part-time job um, you know, bringing in a little bit extra cash, like just like spending cash and things like that. But I think that's, that's a really good point. And I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about kind of traveling because you, mm. I feel like once you graduated and, you know, you moved to New York, I feel like you really started getting out of your comfort zone in terms of traveling. That's something I've talked about a lot on here. That's something I really want to prioritize in my twenties while I'm not tied down to anything in terms yeah. of like, not, I'm not talking about Zach, but in terms of like kids, animals, house, like anything like that, I feel like it's just we're at a time where there's so much 
you know, you obviously don't have a shit ton of money coming in. Don't get me wrong. Like we're all on like these entry level salaries. We're paying probably more than we should in terms of rent. But at the end of the day, I think travel is something that is so underrated. I feel like our generation understands how valuable and, you know, worthwhile that is. So I would love to hear, you know, kind of your philosophy on that, spending money on traveling um, and kind of some of your takeaway experiences that that you've had in the past like two years or so. Yeah, I mean, for me, travel has become such a massive part of my life and what I value and just the experiential part of that spending that we were talking about that matters to me and that I've learned matters to me. And it's kind of like an interesting, I think, series of events that got me to that point in time because it wasn't naturally something that I was, I think, going to do right out of college. I mean, I mentioned I graduated college. I interned right out of college for 10 weeks. and When I was interning, I was under the impression that at the end of my internship, I would receive a full-time offer to start at my company immediately. And that was kind of what was communicated to me. It turned out that that was not possible for my company in terms of headcount. And they, the best that they could do was to start me six months later. And so, I mean, Jess, you know me. And at that point in time, I was still kind of, um, I would say like a lot more high-strung, um, definitely yeah. like a go, 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 go kind of person. I would have started working full-time crazy hours immediately mm-hmm. and loved it or not necessarily loved it, but like that would have been you my ideal situation. Yeah. yeah yes. I, and I think I travel. So I had suddenly six months that I had no idea what I wanted to do. Am I going to get a job? Right. Should I even get a job if I'm certain that I would have to quit it come February because sure. I have a job that's starting, they just can't start me yet. And um, was also in a very fortunate position that my internship was decently well paid and I had no social life while I worked it. So I was paying rent and almost nothing else. Yeah. Um, in, in DC, not even in New York, I was getting kind of paid like a New York investment banking intern salary with very little expenses. And so yeah. um, that's a very fortunate situation to be in. And I ended that internship with no job to start right away and a ton of time to kill. And I'd always wanted to go abroad. I graduated on a timeline that did not allow it. COVID yeah. also happened. These are all things that would have prevented me from traveling abroad. So it's kind of works out. Um, and I was just like, honestly, screw it. Like I never traveled with my family. Yeah. We were very frugal growing up again, like raised in the financial crisis. And I was like, this is an experience that I know so many people have had and talked about that I just need to try. So I um, reached out to some friends that that I knew and we decided that we were going to do a Europe trip. And we the day that I finished my internship, literally, I finished at 4 p.m. They let us off early Um, (laughs) and I was on a plane uh, 9 p.m. that night, I think, flying to Spain. Hell and yeah. I landed in Madrid and um, just the next four weeks, I traveled through five different countries in Europe and it was one of the best experiences of my life. I brought my camera with me. I'm a hobbyist photographer. Yep. Um, loved doing that, loved exploring new cultures, um, learning just about everything outside of the U.S. because we're in such a bubble in the U.S. I feel 100%. like 100%. So, so isolationist, that- very and there's so many people that will never leave the United States and they will never feel like that was a problem. And if that's your truth, that's fine. But um, there's just so much outside. (laughs) There's so much outside of our country. And if you can manage it, I think you absolutely should get out. So 
I just had this lovely time and I went from Madrid to Mallorca to Copenhagen. And that's right after that was where I had kind of my first big travel challenge, which was my friends had to go back to school. Yeah. And I decided to continue on and I solo traveled Berlin. Yeah. Had the great fortune of staying with um, my extended family on the Western countryside of Germany for two weeks yeah. after that. And then so I went cool. to Iceland on the way home. And I came back and totally had the travel bug. And you did. from that point on, like it was just any time I could reasonably get away before work started. Yep. I was I was going out and I got the chance to go to some places that were a little bit less conventional, some places that were a little bit more touristy yeah. and have just really enjoyed it since then. And it's a big part of my life and a big de-stressor in my life um, when work becomes a bit too much. I honestly feel like I and you and I've talked about this, but I feel like like you, me and Matt specifically, um, I feel like you genuinely came back from that those series of trips like a different human I feel like your energy was much more in alignment with who you are you definitely had that kind of like stress anxiety detox that was I think so necessary for you and I feel like that's just one of the many things about traveling that I think people take for granted like you said especially like there's people out there that are like you know I'm just gonna stay here plant my ass here until I die and like that's fine and that's fine like you said like if that's your truth babe like you can do that. But at the end of the day, I feel like there's so much out there to explore. And I feel like it's such a incredible and individual opportunity for self-growth and just reflection on you, the pace that you're going. And I, I've seen so much stuff and I wanted to do an episode on like being in like your European like summer era, like because like there's just countries, obviously all the countries in Europe, they are not the same in terms of culture and the way that they do things. But there are, I know like Italy specifically, like my family's Sicilian and like Sicily is a very chill, laid back. Like they value family and friendship above everything. They're like drinking at like 2 PM on like the weekdays and like celebrating everything. They're just a fu like a fun, energetic, lively, but also present people like they just know how to just like live for right now they're not thinking like oh my god like I have to you know I have to go work my nine to five tomorrow and then I have to come home and then I have to go grocery shopping I have to feed the dog like all this shit like I feel like we're like wired especially you and me are just very wired to be 10 steps ahead and I feel like it can be such a sobering experience obviously I'm 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 talking for you because I haven't been to Europe unfortunately I want to I want to go this year but it's like I feel like it's such a sobering experience when you experience that like there's other people in other cultures that literally will like look at us and be like, can you calm the F down? Like, you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. I know like Americans will go to Europe. Like I've, I've talked to you about this. I've talked to Eva about this. Who's like my little, that's wants to move to Spain full time and work there because she's just like, yeah, I, I love it there. Like she feels so connected to that culture and to that country. And she'll just be like, yeah, I mean, Americans are just so impatient. Like they want, they want everything yesterday. And it's like, why is the service so slow? Why is this and that? It's like, that's the culture. Like, they're chill. Like it's, it's okay to calm down. Like, you know what I mean? And like, I feel like that's such a good way to remind ourselves, like, this is not the only way that people live. Like, this is not the correct one way to do things. And that's such an like, American mindset for sure. I think the American mindset is very like, find a solid job, yep. create your savings, work until you die. Yeah, no, and that, no, literally, it's like, get married, like, have kids. If you don't, like, you're an idiot. If you don't buy a house, you're wasting your money on rent. It's like, if you, 
you know, if you, it's just like, there's so many like American quote unquote, like ideals that I just simply don't understand. And like, maybe that's because we're young and we grew up in a very tumultuous time. And like, we're realizing that we can break patterns and like the world actually won't end. Like if we decide to like rent a house until we're, or rent apartments until we're 30, like we're not going to blow up. Like it's going to be okay if we don't put a down payment while we're at, at like 25. And if we don't get married and have kids by 28, you know, we're not going to hell. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like <laughs> learning that there's that kind of flexibility is really important. I feel like traveling can definitely teach you a lot of those lessons for sure. Yeah. And absolutely. And just to validate what you just said as well, like I learned so much about myself on that trip yeah. and it's so interesting to hear um, kind of the perspective of friends like talking to me and getting to uh, kind of see where I was at post those trips. And yeah. I will just say like, like I said, I was very much like, I think for pretty much high school onward, um, just very go, 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 like get into college, get into college. Okay, now get a job, now get a job. Okay, yeah. now work that job. And I was just suddenly in this position with six months of nothing to do. Yeah. And, or at least what felt like nothing to do, right? Like to me as somebody who was always just so like motivated to, totally. you know, climb the ladder and do the next step and everything yep. like that. And suddenly just six months of not, doing any assignments, not answering to anybody, just exploring and yeah. really kind of immersing myself in other cultures yeah. and um, being active, but like just so relaxed and, and yeah. just so chill. And I think I just found such a separate side of myself and it's why right. I value um, my travel so much now, because it's really the time that I decompress the most, even if I'm in a very uh, kind of like active and culturally different place. Like yeah. I am detoxing and like de-stressing like actively while I'm there. And I'm so glad that I found that side of me because I think it, I'm better for it. And I think I'm probably, yeah. um, probably more, not that I was, you know, like unstable, but I'm more, I think like aware of myself Rounded. and stable for it and well-rounded yes. for it and have an understanding of the world around me more as well. 100%. And I think, yeah, like you said, I think I, I could tell, Zach could tell that like <laughs> you, I think it's a, it's a combination of you living in a different city, really having to navigate everything. You've always been an independent person. Ever since I've known you, you've been incredibly independent and self-aware and you've just always had your shit together. And I think sometimes, like you said, it's nice to just realize like in our view of what it is having your shit together, that is only your perspective. That is only your view of what it means to have your shit together. You know, for those six months that, um, you know, you were traveling and doing your own thing, like you said, you didn't have to answer to anybody. You were still being productive. You were still learning about yourself. You were still growing as a human being. And I would argue that I think that those kinds of experiences are so much more worthwhile because they pull you off the hamster wheel and they like allow you to just grow. And I think that can only benefit you at the end of the day. So I would love to know, like, kind of, you know, I know you had some money stashed away because you were making a really good salary or not necessarily salary, but you know, you had some, some money coming in with that internship and you've always just been working. Like you're just a worker bee. And so I would love to know if you have any tips for people that are listening or like for me, like, what would you say, you know, how do you travel a little bit more price conscious or how do you stash that money away? How do you kind of go about those things? And we'll kind of end on that note. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about, I mean, obviously travel is not inexpensive, but right. it also does not have to deplete your entire savings every yep. single time you go. And I think that's a thought that some people have is like, 
oh, I could travel, but I will have zero dollars in my savings at the mm-hmm. end. And, um, you know, everybody's in a different situation, but I don't think it's the best frame of mind to think about travel because I think with a little extra effort, there are ways to really limit your expenses yeah. um, when you're traveling. And so I guess like one of those I would say is just plan ahead. Yeah. Um you know, it can be cheap to do trips last minute, right? If you can get like airfare, it's if everything lines up perfectly, it can be cheap to go last minute, but it will almost always be the cheapest if you just book everything as far out as possible, right? So as soon as you decide you want to do something, start price shopping. And, you know, if you keep looking at those prices, they're probably going to keep going up. So at some point, it's probably just the best idea to you know, kind of full send and just start booking things. And you can book refundable things too. Like, there's a lot of options for, um, you know, refundable hotels and, you know, getting cancellation policies on your flight where you just pay a little bit extra for it. So if you're not certain, you're probably still saving money by locking into it earlier with those yeah. options. Um, so totally. that's the first thing I'd say is just plan ahead. Um, I'd also say there's a lot of like free experiences that you can have as well, right? So. Mm-hmm. My like step one, anytime I get anywhere that has the slightest tourist presence is I do a walking tour. So if it's in a city, like in Madrid, I did one um, when I was in Puerto Rico, I did one in old San Juan. Um, Most places, most major cities have free walking tours where you just tip the tour guide at the end. And this is a great experience to um, one, get to walk around a city that you're unfamiliar with and have somebody that knows everything point out the things that you need to know and the history that you need to know about the place. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, moreover, in terms of expenses, at the end, a great opportunity to kind of buddy up with the tour guide and be like, hey, here's my itinerary. Like, what on here is a tourist trap? Like, let me know. Like, what here should I not do? And I've had so many things just totally X'd out of my itinerary being like, don't go to this. Everybody goes there. You're not going to enjoy it. Here's five other things you can do and they're always less expensive. Right. Um, so things like that and, yeah. uh, you know, get restaurant recommendations. The The local restaurants that somebody who lives there enjoys are not charging tourist prices. Exactly. And you will immerse yourself more in the culture if you go to yes. those places than if you go to Puerto Rico and um, get a pina colada at the place that said that they invented them. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you can get a pina colada anywhere. Um, so I think like, it's just a great experience or a great opportunity to just ask for, um, things that you shouldn't do right? because, you know, there's a lot of tourist traps and then other things that are less expensive to do as well. 100%. And I think another thing too, is like, for me, I've been looking into like my dream trip is like the Amalfi, like going mm. to like the Amalfi coast and also like going to Greece. And, and I think it's so funny because there's so much to be said about just doing research and knowing like, okay, if I want to go to Greece, do I need to go to Mykonos or Santorini? No, I don't. Because they're going to be thousands of dollars more expensive than if you went to Naxos or Paxos or Milos. Like all like the smaller islands that are just as beautiful, but they have more of that cultural aspect. They're not full of tourist traps. It's much more like you can ingrain yourself within the culture and you're spending less money. Same thing with like the Amalfi. It's like you don't need to go to Capri. You don't need to go to Positano. Like... You know what I mean? Like you can go to the smaller like little cities and yeah, it might take you a little bit longer. You know, you might have to take a train or like a little taxi because 
Lord knows if I was driving like up a mountain in friggin' Italy, I'd drive off a cliff and die. But like, <laughs> but like at the end of the day, like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like making those sacrifices and just knowing where you can cut that spending, I feel like is just like, you just have to be like intelligent about it. I feel like just do your research. Don't buy the first, like you said, plane ticket, but also don't like be like, oh, we're taking a trip in August. Let me buy my tickets in July. Like that's dumb because you're going to get gypped like for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm just giggling because I did something very similar in uh, Mallorca. I rented a car and pro- like oh literally God. almost drove it off a cliff. No, fucking, um, that terrifies me. It literally terrifies <laughs> me. I, I refuse. I refuse. I got stranded in this tiny town because we drove in and it was like their oh street market day. So the town literally was connected to a highway by two entrances and two exits. No. And they shut one of them down and there no. were no signs to the other one. I got stranded in this lovely little town that was way too narrow streetwise for yeah. my car and yeah and when we thought we were leaving at one point because we started driving kind of up a hill and it turns out it was just a dead end at the top where all the rich people had their houses <laughs> yeah no see that's absolutely horrifying to me oh, but yeah, it was bad <laughs> but yeah i feel like i think all in all i feel like the takeaways are just you know if you're gonna travel do it right and also like that comes back to the whole credit card situation like if you really want to prioritize travel like maybe getting a travel credit card and just being diligent about using those points toward like airfare and stuff like that because everyone's like oh my god to get across the pond like you're gonna spend an arm and a leg it's like well not really because number one you can look for cheaper flights and two like if you have airline points saved up like you can use that on on your tickets and stuff like that so i feel like those are good points too um but yeah we we definitely went over in time but i feel like that's very that's on brand because you and i just love to talk and i feel like it definitely just i feel like we made such great points and had a really great conversation is there anything that you kind of want to wrap up with i mean this has just been so enjoyable and it's so uh cool to be your first guest on here and i'm just so excited <laughs> to see where this is going and um yeah we'll continue to be just kind of an avid listener on the yeah. side and uh yeah i mean i think just the takeaways like don't be afraid of credit cards don't be <laughs> afraid of budgeting um or not budgeting right but right. like having a general idea and yeah. um yeah just travel if you can if it if you enjoy it if you travel and you hate it don't do it it's right. fine not everybody's uh, like this is our experience my experience yeah. and uh yeah i think there's just a lot a lot to see out there and a lot of experiences to have and uh yeah yeah i love it well nick thank you so much <laughs> for coming on i you know i love you and um i just will wrap it up there because we definitely went over in time um i'll have like nick's maybe i'll maybe I'll link your photography account at the bottom so people can check that that out, like in the show notes or something like that. Um, but yeah, if you guys have any like further questions about this episode, definitely let me know. Um, you can hit me up on my Instagram. But yeah, I just had such an enjoyable time. I hope that you guys took away some really good lessons that just kind of felt like you were just sitting here having a conversation with us. So I love you, Nick, and I love all of you. And I hope that you have a great weekend if you're listening on the weekend. But um, But yeah, I'll see you guys next Thursday.